Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, when you get a chance, please check us out at consumerguide.com. Be sure to check out our 2020 Best Buy Picks. The list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You'll also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of other car-related fun. You can also stream back episodes of the Car Stuff podcast, which I highly recommend right there on our homepage. Go ahead and do that. All right, let's see who is with us today online. She is the managing editor of Pickup Truck and SUV Talk. She's Jill Seminillo. Hey, Jill. Hello. How you doing? I am doing very well for this being week 3024 without donuts. I checked your numbers. It's week 20. Oh, it just seems a lot longer. No, it feels, it feels <laughs> like that. No, the big number, uh, I get it. So, Jill, we're flying solo this week. Damon and his wife are hosting a Tupperware party this weekend, and Damon needed to take some time off to get ready for that. Are you, are you sure it's Tupperware? I thought it was like a uh, pampered chef or something. He told me Tupperware. Okay, okay. But he's not a very reliable source of that sort of information. Uh, unrelated, did you know that there is a Tupperware museum in Orlando? Um, I did not know that, and uh, maybe I should go visit because my parents live in the area. Yeah, so that's that's kind of cool. Uh, Damon is out, but later today, after the first break, we are going to talk to Chief Engineer Pete Milo about a new addition to the Jeep Gladiator lineup. We talked to Pete a few weeks ago, actually a lot of weeks ago, <laughs> this week, and we're going to be talking about the Gladiator and the cool Mojave edition of that, so stick around for that. But first, Jill... Yes. Jill, something kind of interesting in the news. Um, the IIHS, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, has teamed up with Consumer Reports. Yes. Uh, tell us what they're doing. Yeah. Um, well, so, I, well, I wouldn't necessarily call this news. I would call it an interesting bit of information. And IIHS puts out um, an annual list, and they've been doing this since 2014. Um, where they publish a list of affordable used vehicles that meet certain safety criteria. And with the with the thought being that, um, you know, more geared towards teen drivers. So, um, you know, they, they did a survey. They found out that about 83% of parents who are buying vehicles for their children are buying used. And so they're like, okay, let's make sure these parents don't go buy clunkers. It's, you know, going to be a problem for their, for their kid. So, you know, in 2014, they started uh, putting out this survey looking at, you know, their, their safety criteria, you know, how does it perform in crash tests and, you know, does it get good ratings? And, this year, however, they teamed up with Consumer Reports, and now they're also looking at reliability ratings. So you get a safe and reliable vehicle that would be a good recommendation for your teen. And I would say if anybody's buying a used car, whether it's for your teen or yourself, this is a really good place to start um, to, to kind of check on, on how those um, – issues are, are panning out. And so this year, they came up with a list of, I think it was like 65 vehicles. So you're looking at 
everything from small cars to mid-sized cars to large cars and small SUVs, large SUVs. There aren't any pickup trucks on the list, but um, there are everything from you know you, the Mazda three sedan and hatchback, which is a relatively small car, all the way up to um, you know minivans, even you know the Kia Sedona, and then um, SUVs like you know three row SUVs like the Mazda CX nine. So um, it's it's pretty fascinating because they they look at um, vehicles that what they call the the best list, you know, best choices, which um, meet all of the good ratings in the moderate uh, overlap front side roof strength uh, crash tests, as well as get uh, four or five stars um, in the overall rating for the NHTSA test. And then um, now teaming up with Consumer Reports, they have to get um, um, good reliability ratings, above average reliability ratings is what they're what they're calling it for um, Consumer Reports. So, um, you know, very, very comprehensive and interesting look of used vehicles and you know a lot of the models around are, are around like 2014 or 2015 and um you know the lowest priced vehicle that you'll see on here is is probably around seven thousand dollars but it none of these vehicles go over twenty thousand dollars so um you know it's affordable it's safe it's reliable and there's a list of 65 and i i always find this list fascinating pretty much every year yeah this is an interesting list and and their criteria are fairly specific um i've got the six points here it's it's standard stability control above average reliability per consumer reports, mm -hmm. average or better scores from consumer reports emergency handling test, mm -hmm. drive braking distances of less than 145 feet from 60. I think almost every car can do that. <laughs> I hope. in four of IIHS's crashworthy tests, plus four or five stars from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, sometimes lovingly referred to as NHTSA. So they called in a government agency as well. But the cars on this list are, are almost predictable yeah I think. and the small car list for the best like we have the mazda 3 sedan the subaru impreza and then the hyundai elantra gt and then the kia forte which i don't think most people think about but in the case of the subaru you have the added uh benefit of all-wheel drive which is pretty cool and then the midsize uh starts with two subarus this is their best mm -hmm. picks the legacy mm -hmm. and the outback and and yeah, I can't. The Alpac is great. It's a midsize car. It's mm -hmm. not too fast. It's all wheel drive. I can see how this works. And then they have the Honda Accord, the Volkswagen Jetta, and the Mazda Six. And then, <laughs> and then the cars kids do not want, but their parents may now buy them. Right. Like the Hyundai Genesis. <laughs> I was going to say like a Kia Sedona minivan, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, minivans are on here. Kids, yes, yes. Kids clamoring to drive those. Well, but the you know. Genesis is interesting too. They they yeah. actually um, off their original price, they're kind of a deal used, but they're supposed mm -hmm. to be very reliable. Yeah. No, I is that on the good or the best list? That's on the best list. Under large car, we have the Hyundai Genesis. Oh, so that's, that's going right, back to it was still a Hyundai and not a separate brand. That is the only large car on the list, yeah. frankly. Yeah, and then there's a monster list of good choices. So basically, with 63 options on this list, I think most people shopping around a car for their young drivers can probably find something pretty readily. Some of these, though, like the, the RAV4 um, and a lot of those Honda and Subaru models, 
higher resale value, which means they're going to be a little bit more expensive going in. Right, right. Well, then, the, the, so what I also find interesting about this list is they, um, you know, put them basically in price order. So, you know, Mazda 3 is um, on their list. It should cost around, like for a 2014 or newer model, it should cost around $7,000. But then, you know, in that small car list, if you look at the Toyota Prius Prime, which is 2017 or newer, that's going to be around, eight, you know, $18,000, $19,000. So um, I, I find it interesting, like if you have a price range, you know, say you want to stay under $10,000, you, you know, you can look at the Mazda 3, the, the Subaru Impreza, you can look at the Legacy, the Outback, you know, so you can kind of start your, get a really good start on your search by going here and then, um, you know, kind of fanning out. Um, and, 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 you know, one of the other websites I recommend that people look at when um, they're buying a used car is True Car, um, because then you can go and see what other people are paying for that used vehicle in your area. So then you know um, if you're not you know, making sure you're going to get a good price and somebody's not trying to pull something over on you at a dealer or a private party. So if you're a kid and you mm -hmm. print out this list for your parents because your parents don't know how to use the printer, mm -hmm. uh, and you're looking at this list of the cars being considered and you go to midsize cars, mm -hmm. which includes an awful lot of compacts by consumer guide definition. Right. And you get to the bottom, right? You mentioned that they go from least expensive to most expensive. Mm -hmm. right? So we have the 2013 Legacy starting at 7600 bucks, but at the end of the list. Right. The right. Audi A3 and the BMW 3 Series. If I am printing this list out for my parents, I'm just mm -hmm. highlighting those and crossing all the other crap out. Well, I'm probably uh, going to be doing some cut and pasting um, and, yeah. and make it like I'm going to be doing some creative editing. Um, and I'm going to just edit out like the the um, Toyota Prius and uh you know and, and i'm and and you know maybe maybe you know some of the the vehicles that look a little bit you know un uncool like you know the again the minivans and i'm just gonna say but mom the only ones on the list are like the audi q3 and the bmw 3 series you gotta buy me this one it's safe consumer reports said so exactly <laughs> so uh, you know speaking of that um do you have your best buys for past years on your website we do See, so then the next website you go to after looking at this is the Consumer Guide uh, Best Buys list for that year and see if it made the best buy list as well. That, that is an excellent idea, Jill, and I thank you for the schmooze. Oh, well, you know, I try. <laughs> Actually, right, your yeah. website is one of the websites that I recommend people go to when buying a car. Um, and and I, because I think that you have very valuable, good information, especially with your best buy list. So... There it is. Yeah. Total schmooze. We're proud of that Best Buy list. We put that together all year, and that finally comes together. We usually release that December 1st for the next year. Yeah. All right. So we will link to the IIAH, IIHS, <laughs> that Consumer Reports list of best cars for young drivers. And Jill, you and I have both driven a very interesting vehicle, and it's new to the Toyota lineup. What is that? Yeah, it's, it's new, but not new, but really actually is completely all new. Um, so this is the, the Toyota Venza. So if yeah. that name sounds familiar, that's because they did have a Venza in their lineup previously. I think it went out of circulation maybe around 2014. And 14 or 15, something like that. Yeah, yeah um, cause my, my parents actually own a Venza and I'm currently driving that Venza and I really liked that Venza. But this new 2021 Venza is not that vehicle at all. It's completely different 
from the ground up, not the same, no components shared. They, I, I actually don't think Toyota considers this even a second generation vehicle. No. And it, it's just, it's, it's got the Venza name, but it's completely different. Yeah, and, I think they had the name lying around, and, and, and the, the yeah. folks at Toyota will tell you that there was no negative connotations associated Mm-mm. with the name, and that people remembered it. So that, Well, that's and everybody loves it. Like, I will say, a week does not go by when my parents don't get a call where they're like, uh, so are you interested in selling your Benza back to Toyota? Because there are people who would like to buy it. So it's, I think, a popular vehicle. Um, so the name has really good recognition as well as, as you pointed out, happy feelings about it. You know, there's nothing bad that was said about the Venza. Okay, um, that, that's fascinating to me because that first Venza struck me as dull and ugly. <laughs> And, and Toyota couldn't give them away. But yeah, that's the weird thing about cars that sell poorly. There's often an audience for them, and it doesn't mean that they were bad. They just couldn't find a market. But this new Venza. Yes, is a, um, a hybrid. It's hybrid only, but we should talk yeah. about where it slots in the Toyota lineup because this is sort of a tweener vehicle. Uh, it is bigger than the RAV4. It is smaller than the Highlander, and it kind of has a luxury edge to it. But it, it's a thing that manufacturers are doing now that sedans are mm-hmm. falling out of favor is slotting new vehicles into these lineups. We know that Chevy, for example, slotted the Blazer in their lineup between the Equinox and the Traverse, and mm-hmm. Honda just slipped the Passport in its lineup between the CRV and the Pilot, and 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 now Volkswagen has the Atlas Cross Sport between the Atlas and the Tiguan. So this is a really common thing to do. But right. I think Venza is very successful. And as you just pointed out, Jill, this vehicle is hybrid only, which is yes. really interesting. And they're not really pitching that. It just happens to be hybrid. Um, there is badging that suggests it. Right. But if you drive this vehicle, you kind of don't know it's a hybrid. No, I, you, I I totally loved this new version. I thought it was sleek and attractive. Uh, and, and the hybrid system is so seamless. It's and, very and, good. And that you just, you really don't notice. Um, like, I, I will say, in theory, this is supposed to have the same system that the RAV4 hybrid has. But in the RAV4 hybrid, I noticed the system more. I thought it was a little bit louder. It was a little bit more obvious. But something they've done in this vehicle has tweaked it so that you can hardly tell when the engine is turning on and shutting off. And the, the well, that should make you happy. Yeah. Oh, incredibly happy. And 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 it's just quiet. I mean, it's and the electric boost that you get from from being in the all electric mode is is really nice. So I, I mean, it I, I just I really liked pretty much everything about the Venza. Yeah, I'm on board with you. The drivetrain is flawless, and, mm-hmm. and I must drive weird because I pick up on things that sometimes other people don't. And I was talking mm-hmm. to Damon about this vehicle, and there were some places where I was driving this vehicle where the the elevation changed a little, and I thought mm-hmm. there were flat spots in the throttle response. Okay. But he didn't notice that, and apparently you haven't either. But mm-hmm. it's very quiet. It's very smooth. Uh, Real-world fuel economy, I saw 42 miles per gallon, which is slightly better than the EPA numbers. And again, that's your standard fuel economy. This is hybrid only. But the thing that strikes me about this vehicle is how nice it is inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, is, it is quiet. It rides well. It's nicely finished. And it's kind of Lexus light. Yeah, I, I 100% even, agree. Yeah, it's kind of a new luxury thing. But it, this isn't going to sell that well because it's a weird new uh, segment for them. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking that maybe they do 65,000 the first year, something like that. Nothing like RAV4 or Highlander volume, but but for people looking for 
you know, like an empty nester car or a small mm-hmm. family car that's a little bit nicer than a RAV4, this is a really cool ride. Yeah. Well, you know, and it has, um, in addition to the hybrid powertrain, which is standard, it has standard all-wheel drive, and it'll have, um, you know, Toyota's standard um, safety sense. So, you know, it gets standard safety, standard all-wheel drive, standard, you know, hybrid powertrain. And then it has a couple of really cool and interesting tech features. You know, like the it, it has an available 12.3-inch um, multimedia screen, which I, I love how it looks. I think that's kind of a, a hit or miss um, because it it's kind of sitting and floating above the um, dash. And, and some people like it, some people hate it. I, I like it. Um, but the really cool thing, and we did not have this on our test vehicle, so I can't wait until we actually get a vehicle that has it, is that stargazed panoramic glass roof. Um, yeah, talk about what that is. Yeah, so basically it's this huge panoramic roof that um, it doesn't have the traditional cover to it. You press a button and it's frosted. <laughs> I just think that's so cool. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it electronically, it electrically uh, goes opaque to black light, which is super uh-huh. cool. So yeah, this is a nice vehicle. Um, so check that. If you are looking for something a little bit different, maybe a little bit nicer than the average midsize crossover, put Venza on your list. Our full review uh, will be available soon at consumerguide.com. We will link to our first look of this vehicle. We will link to our consumer to the consumer report story that we talked about earlier. And Jill, we're going to take a break. Yes. All right. When we come back, we talk to Pete Milo of Jeep about the new uh, Gladiator Mojave. Stick around. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, this is the part of the show where I remind you that I'm on Twitter and you should be following me. I am Car Guy Tom. That's Car underscore Guy underscore uh, Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. All right. Our guest today is a Jeep guy through and through. He is the chief engineer responsible for the all-new Gladiator Mojave. Please welcome to the show, Pete Milo. Pete, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing today? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Now, Pete, because you've joined us before, I am now going to presumptuously refer to you as a friend of the show. I hope that's okay. I feel honored. You know, it's, it's an honor to be a friend of the show. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Oh, man. So you guys have got a lot going on over there at Jeep, and you guys have recently launched a very interesting product, and that is the Gladiator Mojave. And I think people who look at this thing, and it's cool as heck to look at, may not be entirely clear what the Mojave's mission is. And if you could, if you could explain how the Mojave is different from the Rubicon and what its mission is. Absolutely. So with the Mojave, we're really catering to a different segment of the off-road customer. And that that customer is really focused on high-speed desert terrain. So whether it's uh, the sand dune environment or two-track hard-packed sand, you're going fast and you're trying to get through uh, the desert environment, um, soak up those whoops and those bumps and have a great time while, while, while flying through the desert, kind of wide open, living free. 
Whereas when you're trail raiding, you're in four low most of the time and you're crawling and you're crawling over these rocks and your articulation's really coming in and you're just climbing and crawling and having a great time. So it really caters to um, the more of the high speed. But I will say that it's not to say that the, the Mojave can't do the slow speed rock crawling because it can. And for, for that matter, the Rubicon can also do some of the desert uh, performance as well. But if, if someone is, has a love for the high-speed um, desert environment and driving through that type of environment, then Mojave would be catered towards that. And tell me about the customers who do this now. Is, is there – I'm a Midwesterner. I don't know from desert. But, but apparently there is an audience for this vehicle. How regional are the sales of the Mojave, and, and who is the customer? Well, I think from a sales perspective, you get sales across the board, across the country. But, um, you know, the, the customer base that we kind of developed the performance around is kind of the Southwest U.S., where this is a niche. This is what they do on the weekends. This is what they do every weekend. Um, and so there's a huge passion, a huge customer base out in the Southwest U.S. and the so- South of the U.S., where this is just a hobby. They love to do it. They go out on the weekend. And they'll just, uh, you know, bomb through the desert, have a great time. And so it's, um, you know, that, that's kind of where we focused and geared the, the performance aspects of this package too, to ensure that that customer base that wants that type of performance is, is met. One of the interesting things, Jill and I were just talking about this off air, but as yet there's nothing official, and correct me if I'm wrong, about a Mojave version of the Wrangler. Right now it's just available on the Gladiator pickup truck. Um, why is that? Well, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned about the, the customer that we, you know, focused on. So early on uh, in the development process when, when we thought through the Gladiator, uh, we knew that this segment in, in the in the truck segment with you know our, our slightly increased wheelbase over the Wrangler, this would be a perfect fit for desert performance. Um, that customer base really loves the the truck, um, the, the the truck um, performing in the desert. Um, the Wrangler, as I mentioned, the Rubicon version actually has much of the capability of you know being able to um, perform well, well in the desert, and so. Initially, we wanted to introduce the package with the, the Gladiator Mojave, make it very customer-centric, and who knows what happens down the road. But right now, yes, the Gladiator Mojave is the first uh, in market. So you did say right now. So we have heard rumors <laughs> of, of a Wrangler uh, Mojave, and I would be remiss as a journalist if I didn't uh, ask the question, are there plans for a Wrangler Mojave? Well, Joe, it was a good try, but you, you know that I can't speak about it. It was not the a product, good try. So. Hey, it was a natural it segue. Was really good. <laughs> yes. So, okay. yeah, no, I, I can't really comment on that. Uh, I do love my job, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decline to comment on that one. Got it. Had to ask. Pete, I want to go back to the desert running thing a little bit because it sounds like, like a lot of fun. And, and somehow in my years as an auto journalist, I've managed not to do it. But talk about what that is. This, this is actually hitting like an open trail someplace. You need an awful lot of space and you get up to pretty good speeds doing this, I guess. But I don't know much about any formal competition for doing this or, you know, to the extent that there are amateur clubs that do this. And I'm well aware of Rubicon style off-roading, but a little bit less aware of the desert running. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. As, as we got into this more and more, we've got a couple of uh, engineers on our team that are really passionate about this um, aspect of off-roading. Um, but once you start getting into it and going out and talking to customers, you realize how big this is. Um, so, yeah, there, there's SCORE events. There's the Baja events. Mm. And what it is is, is essentially, you know, the, the um, customers will go out they go out in the desert. They go out on public lands. There's also uh, recreational parks throughout throughout the country, um, where you can just you know drive drive a, a, a little ways, and next thing you know, you make a right turn down down a trail, and you're out in the middle of nowhere. You know, in the desert environment, where you've got these two track trails that are marked out. You know, it could be BLM land, BLM, BLM land or it could be. Um, you know, recreational parks that are just wide open and tons of trails. And so um, the customers just love to, to get out there in the open air um, and just, you know, go as fast as possible and have fun because it's, it's a loose terrain. And so you can do things with the vehicle um, that you can't do on, you know, a high traction road. Um, you can, you can, um, you know, uh, have, have a lot of fun in the sand and, you know, kick, kick the back end loose. And it just, it's a blast, you know, it's a different type of driving. And because it's so open, um, you can do a number of things that uh, will, will kick the adrenaline rush up that you won't be able to necessarily do when you're on, on the road. And, and does this necessarily, if you're, if you're doing this, if you're, if you're doing some desert running, are you necessarily in four wheel drive? No, typically when you're when you're um, running through the desert at the high speed, we will um, the customers will typically utilize a four high. So they'll use four high, um, and and we specifically on the Mojave used a, a two seventy two um, uh, low gear, but also our, our um, T case is catered towards the high speed desert driving. So it's in four wheel drive high, so you can maintain speed because when you're in four low you know, you're really cranking down on, on the low range and it's going to slow the vehicle up or your RPMs, yeah. um, your engine, your engine revolutions are going to just, you know, go off the charts. So typically when you're in this environment, you're in four high and, um, you're, you're, um, you know, trying to get as much traction to the wheels as possible, but also going as fast as possible because again, it's wide open spaces. Um, you're going, um, as fast as you can in a safe way. And that's one thing that the Gladiator Mojave does is we've designed it so that it can take um, the undulations and the impacts and the different types of surfaces in a way that really absorbs the, the bumps, the energy, so that our customers will have a great time. They won't get beat up in the truck uh, because of the, some of the things that we did to the truck to enable them having a great time out in that environment. Now I noticed, um, and and you're making this hard on consumers. I think that the Mojave and the Rubicon are exactly the same price, <laughs> so, which which is a great way to make force people to make a decision, I suppose. But how are the equipment levels different? I, I mean, if you're a consumer trying to pick between the two, and you live here in Chicago, which way should you go? Yeah, so it's interesting right now, and I've and I've. Uh, own both. And right now I'm driving a Gladiator Mojave. And, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting choice because uh, what the Mojave um, gives you is it, it gives you, um, you know, a little taller stance because it does have a little higher front ride height. Um, and, and it, um, you know, the, whereas the Rubicon gives you the, um, the locking front axle, the Mojave won't give you that. 
So again, the Rubicon might be a little more catered towards the slow speed rock crawling versus the Mojave being more catered towards the high speed, the handling. So the customer would notice a difference in the suspension tuning. Um, you know, for, from an on-road perspective, if they're doing 90% of their driving on-road, um, the, the Mojave will feel a little bit sportier um, on-road, where the, the Rubicon might feel a little bit more, more plush. Beyond that, it has to do with uh, the differences in the off-road, um, the off-road performance capability and some of the features we offer in one versus the other. So basically what I'm hearing you say is that the Mojave would be better for Chicago because you could fly over speed bumps and potholes. <laughs> you know what? When I'm in my truck and I see a speed bumper pothole, <laughs> I have no fear. I just go right over it. Got it. Yeah, no, we, we've designed it for so much. We've designed it for so much more that, you know, when you're on the road here in the States and in uh, the Midwest, as an example, and you hit those uh, those rough potholes that we, we, we all know and love. It, there's no issue with uh, either truck, but especially the Mojave with uh, hydraulic jounce bumps, bump stops, and um, the equipment that we put in it. And, and this is a question for Jill now. The Mojave is available with a six-speed manual, correct? <laughs> well, you're not asking me, but you're asking Pete. I'm asking uh, Pete. That is about, yes. And and I like a manual transmission, yes, so that's the yeah, that's that's the question. So um, I I am thankful for that that you you have added the six speed manual transmission and that Tom asked the question. So thank you. <laughs> you know, you know what? There's always a love for the manual transmission with Jeep, and we know our customers. There's a certain segment that that love it, and we're, we plan to continue to offer it. It just adds a whole other element of you know driving fun especially in, in the desert. It's, it's really interesting to have a stick in the Mojave in the desert. Uh, that sounds like all sorts of fun, and I need to do that. Uh, hint, hint, if you ever invite you do. You know, Chicago journalists <laughs> to go do that, uh, I'm, I'm probably a hand raiser here. Now, Pete, <laughs> oh, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say, me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> now, Pete, yeah, um, you know, this whole COVID thing is... Oh, go yeah. ahead, Pete. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to say, you know, with this whole COVID thing uh, that had occurred, we wanted to get some of you out into the desert because many people don't really um, experience that type of driving. You know, they're not familiar with it. So yeah. we, we wanted to expand the portfolio and that knowledge base to all of you so you could experience it and see how much fun it is. It opens a whole other world of off-roading. Yeah, I recently drove the Mojave here in Chicago, and thank you for the test car loan. Yeah, and around town, it is it is as comfortable as any other Jeep, and maybe even a little bit more smooth riding. So um, the package does not really take any sort of toll in terms of comfort or functionality. Now, I've got another question for you, Pete. We're going to sort of step back and just talk Jeep a little bit. Obviously, uh, Ford made a lot of news with the Bronco, but you guys were not quiet uh, during that period of time having launched the, the very interesting and very compelling Jeep Wrangler 392 concept, which featured um, a 6.4 liter V8 under the hood. Now that's all sorts of interesting. And my question to you is, uh, what are the odds we're gonna see some sort of available V8 for either the Gladiator or the Wrangler? Good question. Um, and I can't comment on it, but, uh, the 392 is an interesting, is an interesting concept. Um, and you know, we're, we're looking forward to continuing to evolve our lineup 
in a way that is going to, you know, continue to make our Jeep customers extremely happy. Um, we don't stop over here in, in the Jeep world. We're constantly monitoring um, what our customers want and always looking to make the most capable brand of SUVs and trucks even more capable. So stay tuned. Uh, you know, we won't disappoint. Trust me. Yeah, that would be nice, though. Uh, you know what I didn't ask before and kind of interesting? Uh, the Mojave is available only with the 3.6-liter Pentastar V6, right? You can't get the diesel in the Mojave? Yeah, right now, um, that's the way that we're offering it with the 3.6. Um, the diesel, we decided to keep it on the Rubicon and the, uh, the Sport and the Overland versions. Um, yeah, so that, that was a decision we made early on, and really we just wanted to, uh, I'll say, bring the, the 3.6 liter with its um, handling and, and driving characteristics to the desert environment uh, first, and then, you know, potentially down the road, uh, investigate whether, you know, we want to also offer the diesel in that environment. And right now, do you guys have a sense of what the take rate is on the Mojave? You know, I can't really get into the take rates, um, but I'd, I'd imagine that they'd be similar to um, the Rubicon. So uh, our customers really love the capability models, whether it's the Rubicon and now the, the Mojave. Mojave being new, I'd really have to, um, you know, get with the, the brand and sales team to see if they've got some initial numbers. I, I don't have that at the moment. Okay. Uh, yeah, the whole Jeep lineup is interesting in that there's, uh, for a single vehicle, you know, the Wrangler and, and then the Gladiator, which is, of course, very similar mechanically, there's an awful lot of models available. And I've noticed that the price range is pretty huge, too. So people can do whatever they want to in terms of loading that vehicle up or not loading that vehicle up. Um, and what, do, you, do you happen to know what the Rubicon take rate is at this point? Um, the, not, not specifically, but, you know, the Rubicon take rate is, you know, it, it's um, be, beyond. So we offer the Sport, we offer the Overland, the Rubicon, and now the Mojave. So if you if you look at that in terms of quarters, you know, the Rubicon is probably a little bit higher than that because right now our, our customers, um, you know, again, they, they like the look of it. They like the, the knobby wheels. They love the 33-inch uh, tires and, and the equipment that you get with it. So... Um, again, I don't have the specifics or I can't provide the specifics at the moment, but it's, uh, it's a good chunk. Cool. Well, Pete, we hope you are doing well in quarantine. You had mentioned the last time we talked that you're surprisingly productive, not going into the office today. So I hope that's still holding up for you. Or are you in the it office? Is. It's amazing what technology <laughs> can do. What's that, Joe? I said, or are you back in the office? Uh, here and there, we're back in the office um, doing evaluations and testing and, uh, you know, doing development work. But more or less, like most of the country, we're still where we can, being as safe as possible and, and doing our work from home. And I will say technology is quite amazing in what you can do from, from home these days. So, yeah, I hope somehow, you guys are staying safe as well. Somehow we've managed to put together a podcast remotely. So I guess anything can happen. <laughs> Well, there, Pete, there you go. Pretty yeah. incredible. And thank you for joining us on this podcast. Pete, we appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy guy, and I know this is cutting into your lunch. So we always appreciate when you join us, and we hope to have you on again sometime soon. Until next time. Thank you very much. Yeah, take care. 
All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. We're going to take a break and be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I'm Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Hey, we talked about how you can find me on Twitter, but Jill, yes. you too are available to the folks through various social media channels. I am. Uh, uh, so do, do tell. <laughs> so you can find me um, just by searching my name, Jill Simonello, and that's all one word. So uh, J-I-L-L-C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O. Uh, and, um, you know, another way to find me is I use a hashtag, um, Cardajour, uh, so C-A-R-D-U-J-O-U-R. Um, so, uh, through one of those, you should find your way to me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, um, but Jill Simonello is probably the first way to find me. All right. And Damon, not here today, can't defend himself, but uh, <laughs> if you're looking for Damon, he's most active on Twitter. He is Damon likes cars on twitter and then i didn't know this he's also damon likes tupperware on twitter so right uh, you, you can find him there hey jill <laughs> yes damon may not be here but that doesn't mean you get to dodge the quiz <sighs> okay okay um i'm ready for it are you how do i win so, when i'm only the, the, the only person um on the quiz today I am so glad you asked because this came up once when Damon was the only co-host and we decided okay. that getting three correct is okay. a victory. Okay. So you can get three. And for this, we will include the bonus question as one correct uh, if you need to kick it in that way. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I am so ready. This is actually kind of cool and kind of interesting and I found it counterintuitive, but but You'll see why in a moment. These are the most cop, most popular cars by state as determined by Edmonds of the good folks of Edmonds.com, a great car research website. But the information here is interesting. These are new car purchases, no rentals, no fleet or leases, just okay. retail. Mm -hmm. So new car by state, most popular. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. I'm going to give you one that should be easy. Illinois. <laughs> okay. Is the most is the most popular new vehicle in 2019 in Illinois, the Chevrolet Equinox, the Ford F-150, the Honda CRV, or the Ram 1500? Ooh. Okay, so now you're kind of throwing me for a loop because you said it's counterintuitive. So I would say, if I were thinking logically, that the answer would be the um, Chevrolet Equinox. Right. But because you said counterintuitive, um, I feel like I have to go with something like the Ram 1500. All right. Is that your final answer? Uh, no, Ford F-150. Oh, you saved it. <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh, but Ford is the best-selling, uh, you know, pickup truck, uh, so they say. So I'm like, I'm going with that. I'm changing it at the last minute. See, I would have gone on this list. I would have gone Equinox. And I would yeah. have gone Equinox because... Uh, I believe that this isn't, I mean, obviously Chicago is most of the population of the state mm -hmm. and you wouldn't think that we would be a pickup truck state just because of that. But obviously there's all sorts of farms to the West and South of us. Yes. Um, but the Equinox is very popular and Chicago and Illinois 
have always had sort of a buy American thing going on more than mm -hmm. like the coasts. Mm -hmm. So I would have gone Equinox on that one or CRV. I actually would have picked the Ford third. So, all right, good yeah. job on that one. All right. I saved it. So I, I think the theme of today is I'm going to pick what I think is the right answer and then go to the opposite. <laughs> I think that's what my wife did when she said yes to marrying me. Ah, uh, well, you know, I, I'm not commenting. Yeah. All right. Number two, <laughs> uh, Joe, the state of Iowa. Is okay. it the Chevrolet Colorado, the Chevrolet Silverado, the Ford F-150 or the Honda Accord? Oh, man. So you give me three pickup trucks and a sedan. Um, that's very cruel. Because um, now I'm all over the place. Because like my first instinct to go the opposite would be to say the sedan. But you gave me, um, what was it? The Silverado, the, the Colorado, and the, uh, the F-150. And the F-150. So I, I feel like I can't choose the F-150 again because I just, I just said F-150. You did. Um, there's two full-size pickup trucks, one uh, mid-size pickup truck, and a sedan. Ooh. Um, yeah, for giggles, I'm going to say the Honda Accord because that's not what I would expect. No, it's it's the Silverado. Okay. Okay, because I was thinking either that, like either the Accord or the Colorado going for mid-size truck because that would be the other one I wouldn't think it is. But, okay, Silverado. So Got here it. we learned Iowa is Chevy country. Yes. All right. Number three, and, and you could just look out your window, maybe. Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. Florida, are you ready? I, I am so ready. All right. Ford, Ford, Ford Flex. Ford Flex. <laughs> Sorry. Ford F-150, Honda Civic, Toyota Camry, or Toyota Corolla? Oh, definitely. I, I, ooh. I, so my first instinct is to say absolutely not Toyota. Um, but there are a, a lot of pickup trucks here. Um, so you said Ford F-150, say again? F-150, Civic, Camry, Corolla. Ooh. State of Florida. <sighs> the key lime, key lime pie people. Key lime pie people in Palm Tree State. Um, okay, so first inclination is to say Ford F-150, because this is such a pickup truck heavy state. But... If I'm going counterintuitive, um, what were the two Toyotas? Uh, Camry and Corolla. I'm going to go Corolla. You got it. <laughs> Very nice. I will say when I go for runs, because I know you like talking about running, in my parents' neighborhood, um, there are a couple of houses here that are 100% Toyota families. So I'll see yeah. a Tundra, a Corolla, and a RAV4 in the driveway. It's, it's fascinating. Um, like people here are very loyal to their brand. So Corolla it is. All right. Woohoo. I got two. Uh, and for the record, I never, ever want to talk about running, running or smooth. <laughs> jet. Not on, not on the agenda. All right. <laughs> California. Are you ready? All right. You might get this one. This one. Uh, all right. Chevy Silverado, Honda Accord, Honda Civic, Toyota RAV4. Even if I hadn't written this, I think I might have gotten this one. Okay, same again. Silverado, mm -hmm. Accord, Civic, mm -hmm. RAV4. All right, I'm tossing up between the um, Accord and Civic, actually. Um, 
Am I warm? You are. All right. Uh, I'm going to go civic. You got it. You're All killing right. it. You got three out of four. You've already won. You've already won. I've already won. Got it. And the next one I think you can get, Michigan, the great state of Michigan. Are you ready? All right. I, I'm so ready. All right. Chevrolet Equinox, Ford F-150, Hyundai Santa Fe, Nissan Rogue. Oh, what were the first two? Equinox, F-150. I was waiting for you to cheat and ask me if you're warm. <laughs> Am I warm? No. Um, okay. So it's one of those. Um, gosh. Okay. So I'm tempted to say F-150 because Illinois was F-150. Um, but because Illinois was F-150 and, you know, Michigan and Illinois are not alike, uh, I want to say Equinox. So I'm going to say Equinox. You have killed it. Four out of five. Correct. And you notice, like, the Jill logic that I'm using here, which is completely illogical, right? I wasn't aware there was something called Jill logic, but I'm taking oh. notes. Oh, totally. There's Jill logic and Jill <laughs> math. Um, Jill math is even scarier than Jill logic. So I don't want to know from Jill math. No, you really don't, actually. All right. All right. You scored four out of five. You qualify to take the bonus question because Woo everyone gets the bonus question. I hope All right. I, I, I'm a little bit scared because your um, bonus questions are usually like from left field. No, no, no. This one's right there. This is completely, okay. uh, uh, completely apropos. Okay. Jill, per a poll still open on the Dum Dums website, which <laughs> of the following is the most popular Dum Dum flavor? Is it blue raspberry, mm -hmm. cotton candy, root beer, or cream soda? God, I would say none of those. Um, cherry, come on. Um Oh, um, root beer. No, no, didn't get the bonus question. It was blue raspberry. Blue raspberry. Ugh. Here's Cherry. the weird part. They spell blue B-L-U as, as if that's the thing that's artificial. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, the blue is artificial, but um, yeah. Well, aren't raspberries blue in your end of the world? <laughs> no. At least, at least not a weird iridescent middle blue. No. Yeah, the uh, what a nuclear blue um, iridescent. They are not. Uh, hey, hey, Jill, do me a favor. Yes. Ask me what's new at the CG Daily Drive blog. Hey, Tom. Yes, what's Jill? new at the CG Daily Drive blog? I am darn glad you asked. We've got all sorts of new stuff this week. People can check out our blog by going to consumerguide.com and just hitting blog. It's one of the tabs right there on the top. New stuff every single day of the week. Uh, but this is what we've got going on right now. We have an article that I put up yesterday called Six of the Worst Selling Cars of 2020. Um, and this is a look at the vehicles that you think might sell a little bit better but are being neglected. You want to check this one out. Jill, yeah. guess what at least one of these is. You know, I, I can't guess because I'm actually looking at it. Um, so that takes all the fun out of it. But um, oh. I'm sorry. Uh, but there are like, some of them are kind of obvious. Like the Kia Cadenza, like, do you, do, does the normal consumer know what a Kia Cadenza is? No. Um, I'm glad you asked exactly that question because the answer is no. No one knows what the Kia Cadenza is. Uh, but like for me, I, 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 I think the biggest surprise on this list is actually the Volkswagen Ardian. Yes. 
Yes, and I'm not sure that this is exactly a dismal result, but the, the Ardeon, which is a new version, this actually replaces the CC in Volkswagen's lineup as sort of a mm-hmm. premium version of the mid-size car, in this case, the Volkswagen Passat. This is a nice car. It's very stylish, and it's sort of an Audi light kind of vehicle. Mm-hmm. But they moved about 1,600 of them so far this year. If you figure things were better this year and we weren't dealing with COVID suppressed sales, this might have done closer to 2,500 and we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, but it's selling about 15% as well as the Passat. So it is what it is. Nice car. Um, it is a higher profit thing for them. And this mm-hmm. might be sufficient for Volkswagen. Who knows? Well, do you think it's because of the, the name? Like they changed I, the name. They, do you think CC had traction with buyers? That's a great point. No, I, I don't know that CC did, but I mean, but but there there it has a little bit of longevity. So I I don't know. Whenever somebody changes the name of a vehicle, I always wonder if they don't take an initial hit because people just don't know what it is. No, I'm sure they do. Yeah, and Ardeon is an only name. It's weird. No one knows how to pronounce it. Um, and and I think that if they see one in traffic, they won't immediately recognize it as a Volkswagen either. Well, they may recognize it as a Volkswagen, but at first blush, it looks like a Passat. You think? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that could be hurting it, too. (laughs) All right. Also on the website, and Jill, next week, we're going to be talking with the good folks over at Buick about the new Encore GX. Mm. Uh, We were discussing vehicles that are sort of being slotted into lineups, and the GX is one of those vehicles. It slots in in the Buick lineup between the Encore and the... um, um, the Buick Envision. So it's sort okay. of a large subcompact, if that's a segment that we can describe. But we at Consumer Guide have recently driven the 2020 Buick Encore GX Essence. Uh, interesting vehicle. It is larger than you think it might be. Um, but it's also interesting because Buick doesn't seem to be going premium with this vehicle. And we'll have that conversation next week. But they're pricing it against more contemporary mainstream products. We'll see if that works for them. But in, in terms of what people, I think, expect from Buick, this might be something of a surprise. So we have so, a full review of that. Go ahead, Jill. I, so does GX mean that it's bigger than the regular yeah. Encore? Like what is, so it's, it's yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm confused by the GX designation. I think a lot of people will be, and that's something we should probably talk about because they call it Encore. Mm-hmm. I think to tap into the fact that the Encore, the tiny subcompact Encore crossover, is Buick's best-selling vehicle by far. Mm-hmm. They did almost 110,000 units last year, so that's very strong for Buick. And I think they wanted to tap into that momentum, so they called this Encore GX. But it's weird because it sounds like a trim level more than a model. Right. So, I mean, in a way, it's kind of like what Nissan did with the Rogue when they introduced the Rogue Sport, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, Rogue was very popular, and they tapped into that. And I don't know that everyone fully embraces sport as sort of a smaller version of something. Right. Seems Which is like what it should Ford be sportier. Just Ford just did that with Bronco, right? Yeah, they did. They did. Bronco Sport. But I don't know that the Bronco Sport is necessarily smaller. I don't know. I'm confused by the Bronco Sport. We'll, we'll just leave that there. <laughs> All right. And then real quick, we have a what if gallery. Um, The publisher of Collectible Automobile Magazine, who hired me here at Consumer Guide some 20 years ago, has a a habit of breaking out his colored pencils and doing some crazy drawings. And he did a what if gallery here of alternative universe 1957 Ford Ranchero designs. The Ranchero people might remember is the first of the sort of car-based pickup trucks, a little bit like the Chevrolet El Camino. So he did a, a series of six drawings that are truly, they're like having a strange dream. They, 
<laughs> different versions of that. We also have a review of the 2020 Cadillac XT6 Sport. The XT6 is Cadillac's first three-row crossover, and that slots in their lineup between the XT5 and the uh, and the big Escalade. And you know what? We're going to be talking Escalade at some point soon, I hope. That vehicle has been yeah. waiting in the wings for some clearance in the COVID cloud to be launched. So we should be hearing about that soon, too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's also worth pointing out that you should go back a couple of episodes when we talked to uh, Larry Knudsen. Um, yeah. And he talked about his road trip that he took in the XT6. So. Yep, this is a good follow-up to that. Yeah, but listen to that yep. episode if you like. You know what? We will link to that episode. Jill, thank yes. you again for, for pimping, the, pimping the podcast there. Hey, I'm good at that. <laughs> Jill, anything you want to promote before we say goodbye? Uh just, you know, pickuptruck.com, pickuptrucktalk.com. Um, head over to that website. We do a lot on uh, truck and SUV news and, uh, you know, talk about some rumors and some of the latest news coming out. We've got some good reliability stories about how reliable is your truck. Um, so I would say just head over there and check it out. Sounds good. Jill, thank you for flying solo with me this week. Yes. Thank you for thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. You put in a yeoman's effort. I didn't even realize <laughs> Damon wasn't here. Well, you know, Damon who? No, <laughs> kidding. Kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll hear from uh, Damon about his Tupperware party next week. All right. Yes. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Special thanks to Pete Milo of Jeep for telling us all about the Gladiator Mojave. Thank you, Jill Simonillo, for co-hosting this week. Special thanks to producer Paul and all the good folks here at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. They have made broadcasting through this virus thing relatively easy, and I couldn't be more grateful. As always, thanks to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. We're going to have them on on a couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about cars through the years, and that's the stuff. We'll talk more about new cars next week. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.